My story is a story of what happens when you're not focused on Christ and you're not prepared for trials in your life. I was raised in uh, north central Ohio, farm country, Amish country. We went to church as a family since I can ever remember. But we did just that. We went to church and that was it. It didn't really uh, follow us home. Um, I was involved in youth fellowship and all that kind of stuff. Had a pretty good life uh, for most of my childhood. My dad worked nights. I didn't see him much. Everything seemed to be going well. Then about uh, when I was 14 years old, my parents divorced. And my dad moved away to another town, um, turned to alcohol as a self-medication. Uh, we stayed. We lived out in the country. Had, we had a little hobby farm, so we stayed there. My mom started dating, started having guys over the house, and it was just very hard for myself, my sister, and my brother. Uh, we slowly stopped going to church. And even when we were in church, it's like uh, I heard of God, but didn't know God. I didn't have a personal relationship with God. In the middle of my junior year, my mom remarried, and we had to move to town because uh, my stepfather was a police officer. So we moved to town, and um, they, they had a rough marriage. They really did, her second marriage. I, I turned to drinking and partying and chasing girls in the middle of my junior year. I was pulled out of the country, had to go in this small town, didn't want to do that. And that's how I coped with the whole situation. So that went on latter part of my junior year, my senior year, and then the year after. So this was like 79, 80. And I just become a mess, and I saw myself becoming an alcoholic like I, my dad did. And uh, so I'd come up with this grand idea that I was going to join the Army and get myself straightened out. I went into the Army, and uh, I guess I was just very naive. I didn't, yeah, I heard about Vietnam and drugs and all that kind of stuff, but I thought that was just a wartime thing. So I figured I'd go to the Army, get myself straightened out, get some structure. And it was fine. I went to basic at Fort Dix, New Jersey. And then after that, no problems there. I went to uh, my advanced training in Aberdeen Proving Grounds, Maryland. I was there for 10 months for advanced training. Um, and I just started seeing the alcohol and drugs in the barracks. I just couldn't believe it. I didn't think that kind of stuff was in the Army. It wasn't allowed, you know. It was supposed to be strict. So my nickname's Oz. So one evening, you know, one of the two other guys said, hey, Oz, let's, let's go into town. So we caught a cab. We went into town and... We end up at this strip joint. First time I'd ever been to one. So I'm like 19, 20 years old now. We go in this strip joint. It, it was just so filthy, so nasty. I just hated every second of it. And while we're there, this hooker comes up and propositions all three of us. And they're like, hey, Oz, let's go. She wants to take all three of us. And I thank God. He gave me enough sense. And I just said, guys, I can't do this. I just can't do it. So they left with her. I caught a cab and went back to post. Well, the whole time that I'm in this training, it's like a big quarter-mile track, and there's these old two-story World War II-type barracks there. I noticed every Friday night, this little red church bus would come around and make the loop and pick up guys. So the next Friday night, I got on that bus, and it took me to just like a little warehouse building, but it was a church, and there was a message there. And I can't tell you any specifics about the message other than you can't straighten yourself up on your own. You can't do it by yourself. You've got to have Jesus in your heart, and you're, he's the only way that you're going to be able to connect with God. So, and it was just one of those things where everybody bows their head, raise your hand if you, if you want to 
uh, give your life to Jesus and, and be saved. And I did. And so, so many came and followed up with me. And then they had a neat little ministry there. They had some uh, bunks there where you could come on the weekends. So I, I would go there every weekend and I started growing as a Christian. And then I got sent to Europe, to West Germany. I got sent to the uh, 3rd Infantry Division on a little tiny post called Kitzigan. It was just really small, one chapel on the post. It was ice cold. You talk about drugs and alcohol in the infantry division, it was just prominent. I, I, I just couldn't believe it. It was terrible. So I just started going to the gym, working out, playing racquetball, lifting weights, just anything to get out of the barracks. It was just a horrible situation. I, I didn't, couldn't find any other Christians to buddy up with. So I was there almost a year, and I just remember praying to God, God, you've got, got to get me out of here. I'm not going to make this. I'm, just, I'm not going to survive. I prayed that prayer, and then I put in a transfer stating in that transfer that I was not being used in my MOS. That's your job specialty. As a lower enlisted guy, I could have had my head cut off. But God honored that prayer. I take, took a step of faith. I, I wrote that transfer letter out. And uh, I got sent to 1st Armored Division in Bamberg, Germany. And the first thing when I got to this new division, I met two guys, John and Danny. Uh, they were both Christians, and they just took me under their wing, and we just buddied up. Started having quiet times together and hanging out. There's a couple missionaries off post. They introduced me to a, a couple named Walt and Delcy Davenport. They had some kids, so we'd go over there on weekends. We'd do, like, travel around Europe and stuff like that together on different things, and I started growing, and it was really good. I'm getting ready to get orders after two years to come back to the States. I'm getting sent to Fort Campbell, Kentucky. John tells me, hey, when you get to Fort Campbell, look up a group called the Navigators. And I said, John, I'm going to do that. So as soon as I got to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, this was 83, I looked up the Navigators Started hanging out with them. A guy named Tom Mix started discipling me. He was a major that was on, on, on the base there. And just, just a really sweet guy. I mean, and he was really close to my unit. I just remember it a lot of times. I was an E5, a buck sergeant. And he was a major. And a lot of times I'd see him while I was working. And I'd pass by. And I'm like, hey, major, how's it going? And he's like, stop that. Don't do that. And I'm like, I've got to. You're a major. You know, everybody's looking. But it was just, he was just a really, really nice guy. So he discipled me uh, through, through the rest of my uh, time there at Fort Campbell, which is about 10 months. I had 10 months left on my enlistment. So my enlistment ends, and I'm thinking about re-enlisting, but I want to re-enlist and uh, get trained as an MP. That's what I really wanted to do when I first went in. They just didn't have any openings. So I, I went in anyhow, did something else, and uh, just to get away from home and get my life straightened out. So anyhow, I'm going to re-enlist. They're like, we can't retrain you. You can do your same job, and we'll give you $8,000. And I'm like, that's just crazy. I'm not doing that. So I'm trying to figure out what to do now. Do I go back home? Do I go to college? Do I go to tech school? Whatever. Well, Cecil Bean was heading up the ministry there, and he challenged me to stay and work with the Navigator. So he invited me to his home. So I moved in with Cecil and Jeannie Bean. Uh, and their three kids. One was Rusty. I can't remember the other two, so... I lived with Cecil probably about six months in his basement, and while he, so he's discipling me now instead of Tom, and then um, I'm discipling another guy named Mike McCullough. Um, so after about six months, I end up getting my own place, and then I have a guy named Rob Dix move in with me, so I'm discipling him, uh, still meeting with Mike, and then another guy from where I'm working, I was pumping fuel at the Air, uh, Clarksville Airport to support myself. 
we, I just remember to go on all kinds of rallies and stuff. At one point, we went to MTSU for a rally, went to Austin P for a rally. We did all kinds of sports things on the weekend. We played soccer just about every Saturday. Met this girl on the soccer field. She was in the Army, and I kind of liked her. You got to understand, I was, so I started dating her. So when I was younger, you know, I, I certainly wasn't a virgin. You know, when I, when I turned to alcohol, when my parents split, I was, like I said, I was partying, I was chasing girls, getting, getting whatever I could. At this point in my life, it had been four years I hadn't been with a woman. So I started dating her, and it just, I, it just went way too fast. I didn't really, looking back at it, I didn't really know her. And, and Cecil counseled me. He said, look, man, you're, you're just not ready for this. You're not, you don't know her well enough. This is going way too fast. And I just, I didn't listen. I just, I didn't listen to counsel. We, I ended up marrying her. And it was a disaster from day one. From, from the night of our marriage, it was a disaster. In a nutshell, I don't need to get into any details, but basically I found myself trapped in a sexless marriage. So this went on for five years. And here I, we had ended up moving away from Clarksville. I moved down to Estill Springs, a little tiny town between Winchester and Tullahoma. Uh, my big grand plan was that I was going to go down there and take disciple-making into the church. Of course, Cecil told me, you're not ready to do that. You're not mature enough to do that. Guys, I fell flat on my face. I'm, I'm trapped in a sexless marriage. I'm, go to this church, and I'm trying to implement some of what I learned, and it's just not working. I try to do everything I can to make it work. We start going to counseling, individual counseling. She goes to counseling. I go to counseling. We go to marriage counseling. We like start all over dating and everything, and it's just, it's not getting any better. She would just, every time I tried to make any advances, she'd crawl under the bed, start crying. She'd self-mutilate herself. She tried to kill herself during this time. And it just, after five years of all this, it just took such a toll on me, psychologically and physically. Uh, I developed ulcers that I just, I couldn't stand it anymore. And it, so here I am, I'm isolated in Estill Springs, in the, in the middle of nowhere. Looking back on it, this is so true. So I, I really want to encourage a lot of the younger guys here. You know, stick with it. If you've got a man here that's invited you, stick with him and listen, because he loves you, and he cares about you, and he wants to see you prosper. He wants to help you develop a relationship with God. So here I am. I'm out in the middle of nowhere, isolated. Having, I don't have any, a brother to lean on. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there's not another to lift him up. I had no one to lift, lift me up. I was by myself. And thinking about the marriage, I kind of skipped this, but what I had in my mind. So when we were dating, we would kind of get to the point where the clothes would almost come off, if you know what I mean. But they didn't. But... That's one of the things in my mind. I hadn't been with a woman for four years, so I kept thinking, hearing Paul in the back of my mind, it's better to marry than burn, better to marry and burn. So that's one of the driving factors why I went so fast. So long story short, I, I did everything I knew to do. Uh, it, it just tore me up. After five years, I went against what my beliefs as a Christian and uh, filed for a divorce. And I, I just turned my back on God because I... I just didn't understand why. Why, God? Why am I going through this? Why, am I, why did this happen? Why am I in this marriage? And why have I tried all this counseling and it's not working? So this turned into a long period of me just 
wandering around Mount Sinai, just wounded and hurting and trying to figure out why all this happened. I'm just wandering around. I'm looking for comfort. So I find comfort in the arms of other women. And I just turn my back on God because I'm just mad at God and I don't understand why. I just wasn't prepared for this at that point in my life. During all this time, I'm thinking, God's never going to forgive me for leaving her and, and, and abandoning her. So a few years passed by. Uh, I go, end up going to school at MTSU for two years on the Army College Fund, run out of money, get a job at the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office in the jail. This was January of 1990. I'm still finding comfort in the arms of other women. While I was working in the jail, I met uh, a lady named Shirley Cannon. Uh, she invited her to my home. I got to know her and her husband. Uh, eventually, she uh, entered, introduced me into her with, to her daughter. And still, I'm, I'm wounded, I'm hurt, but I really liked her. And to be frank with you guys, you know, we started dating. We had sex. Sex was great. We lived together for a year, kind of as a trial basis. Um, for me, mainly because, I, you know, I'd, I wanted to make sure this was going to work. Um, we ended up getting married in 1994. And this whole time, I'm just thinking, I've committed adultery. Now I've married, she, she came from a, a broken marriage. And I remember saying that to Bev. I said, you know, we're living in sin. We're, we're, we both left our partners. And I mean, that was just a hurtful thing to say. But I just didn't know, understand what was going on right then. So a couple years into the marriage, I end up going back home, and I have a conversation with Fran Simonson. She's my best friend's uh, mother, and I'm just pouring my heart out to her. And, and she looks at me, and I tell her, I said, I don't think God's ever going to forgive me. You know, and now I'm in another marriage, and God's just never going to forgive me for what I did a long time ago. And she's like, so you, she looked right at me, and she says, and she's just a godly woman. And she says, so you mean to tell me that your sin is bigger than God? And I mean, she might as well just reach out and slap me in the face. And it, but it got my attention. You know, and then she told me about the story of David and Bathsheba and what David did. And it's like, wow, okay, there might, there might be some hope here. And I ended up praying over Psalm 51, David's prayer of repentance. And that just kind of started me thinking about coming back to God. Uh, Bev and I ended up leaving uh, Murfreesboro. We moved to Lebanon. I just... Uh, wasn't getting promoted at Rutherford County like I thought I should. I got passed over a couple times. So I went to Lebanon PD, um, worked for a year on patrol there. I already did patrol experience at uh, Rutherford County. After a year, I got promoted. I worked narcotics, got promoted to general detective, got promoted to lieutenant. I was like on this fast track all of a sudden. While I was a lieutenant, um, I got caught up in kind of a political thing where I got used where the captain of the detectives got pushed out by the chief and I was told that I had to take it over and I didn't want to do that and it was just a horrible situation and uh, most of the guys thought I had something to do with the captain getting pushed out and it was so stressful that I just ended up leaving I had I had to leave I couldn't handle it anymore it was a terrible situation so I went to the sheriff's office asked the sheriff for a job as a detective he's like Maz I don't have any positions right now, but I can give you a position as an SRO. And I said, I'll take it. So he put me in a junior high, K through eight school. It was great. I mean, I would felt like God was starting to talk to me again, all the stress of being a detective. 
was off of me because as a, a detective, you see a lot of ugly things. You see the worst side of life, and you kind of develop this jaded outlook of life because you see all the ugly things that people do to each other. You know, I've become an SRO now, and I mean, it's like this huge weight is lift off me, and I sense that God's talking to me again. So I finished out that school year, and I'm really enjoying it. Well, come May, the sheriff and the chief of detectives comes knocking on my door at school at the, my office and says, hey, we'd like you to become an investigator at the sheriff's office, and we need some people, we need somebody that's got some experience. And I'm like, sheriff, I just, I really like what I'm doing here. But he just keeps on and on, and so I asked for some time to think about it and pray about it and talk to my wife. And long story short, guys, I, 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 Pride got in the way because I was a detective and now I'm an SRO and I'm kind of going downhill. I took a $4 an hour pay cut. So pride got in the way. Money got in the way. If I took the detective position, I would recoup some of that money. So that's what I decided to do. So I'll go back into investigations for another 10 years. And uh, it's, just, it's just a tough line of work. It really is. It really takes a lot from you. It takes a lot from your family. I thought I was doing a pretty good job of keeping work at work. But I think it really affected my attitude a lot and probably the way I talked to my kids and my wife. I think it hurt, hurt some of that. It just took a lot from the family life. So anyhow, 2014, I'm still a detective. This is like 10 years in at the, at the county now. And I just sensed God's just kind of working on my heart. And what really got me going was, you know, all through this time, Bev and I were kind of dabbling in church. We were in and out, sitting in the pew, that kind of thing. And I remember my son asking me, Dad, why don't we go to church anymore? And that just really hit me. I'm like, man, you know, that, I, I'm just, I'm not being the spiritual leader I should be. My son and I, we find a church. He's like a freshman in high school now. We, we find a church. We start going there. Bev's not coming. Nick actually gets saved while we're at that church. And then Bev, after about a, two years, Bev starts coming. And I had, this was like eight years ago, so I had rededicated my heart to God and just, just laid it all out there. And I just, God was telling me that through a message at church that I just wouldn't do what I was told, knew to do, and that was disciple other men. I rededicated my heart to God. God started working on me again. Uh, Bev started coming to church, and our relationship and our marriage just kept getting better and better and better, and it has through the years. For 2017, I'm on a computer at work, and another one of God's answered prayers. I see a big disciple-making conference in Nashville. All these disciple-making groups are coming. So my grand idea is I'm going to get hooked back up with the NAVs. Because uh, I'd searched the Internet, couldn't find anybody. I saw Dave, this guy named Dave Kopp, but it showed him in Conyers, Georgia. I'm like, that's not going to work. That's not somebody I can you know, have an accountability partner with. So anyhow, I go to this conference, and I end up meeting Donnie Hoover with the Navigators and talk to Donnie and just kind of tell my, my story and my heart. And he says, well, I know this guy named uh, Dave Cotton in Antioch. He said, how far is that? And I said, that's not far. So he hooked me up with Dave. This was like 2017. And so Dave and I have been together ever since then. Uh, and it's been, it's been great. It's knowing that you've got somebody there to lean on and somebody that's going to keep you accountable and Dave basically helped me to get everything shored. My messed up life helped me to get it shored back up by leading me to scripture. And uh, it's been amazing. And my wife has seen the difference in my life. She, she's commented that during these eight, 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 last eight years that I've, I'm just not the person that I was. Our marriage just kept getting better and better and better and better. 
I've really got like three. I started meeting with guys again. You know, once Dave and I got together, I kind of, well, in 2018, I came here to a conference and it, that really fired me up. I'm like, I got to start meeting with guys again. 2019, I ended up bringing a guy with me as one of the guys I'm meeting with. And so I started meeting with guys again, start discipling guys again. And I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, everything's clicking. It's great. So really, guys, I just have three takeaways here. And again, a lot of us, a lot of your veterans with the Navigators have been around a long time. So this is really geared to the younger guys. If somebody's taking you under your wing, stick with them. Listen to what they have to say, because they have your best interests in mind. One thing I've learned, we're going to, like Dave said, we're all going to have trials. And the, and the question is, what are we going to do when those trials come? It's the only thing I've learned that very few men are going to walk a lifetime with God without being held accountable by another man. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to get hooked back up with the navigators. Because deep in my heart, I knew how important it was to be held accountable. And I appreciate Dave so much because he keeps me accountable. And I keep him accountable. We've given, as you all know, we've given each other that latitude. Uh, The other thing I've learned is warriors. We're, We're warriors. There's a spiritual battle. David talked about this, you know, in married life. There's a spiritual battle. Satan's going to attack our marriages because that's, that's where it all starts. That's where discipleship starts. And marriage is a reflection of our relationship with the Lord, with the church. So what I've learned is warriors don't ask why. Why? Why, God? Why is this happening? That's what I did before in my first marriage. Why? I don't understand. Why is this happening? Warriors don't ask why. They ask what. When the trials come, don't ask why, ask what, what, what are you trying to show me, Lord? Where am I at? Where am I lacking? Where am I not being like you? Where am I not being like Jesus here? During these times of trials is lean into God. Don't run away from him. That's what I did before. I, I ran away. I just kept asking why, why, why. Got mad at God, didn't lean into him, and I ran away. And those trials are going to keep coming. And my last, last point of all this is... My goal now is to finish well. I wasted so much time. Guys, don't waste your time. I look back with so much regret thinking the impact that I could have had through all these years, and I didn't have that impact because I was not focused on Christ. So I want to finish well. You know, I'm going to be discipling guys the rest of my life till he takes me. I don't care if I end up in a nursing home. I want to be discipling guys in that nursing home. You know, that's just where I'm at now. And once we totally get focused on Christ, I mean, it's, it's just wonderful. I feel so much better. My marriage is so much better. And, you know, guys, the trials are going to come. They're still going to come. I'm going through a very tough trial right now, extremely tough. But now I know that I'm going to lean into God. And I'm asking him, now, I'm not asking him why. I'm asking him what. Lord, what are you trying to show me here? Thank you, guys.